With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, uh, welcome to episode 10 of the Catfish and Ice Podcast. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is your host, Chad Mitten. Uh, running episode 10 solo tonight, uh, Rich and Colin cannot join me for this episode, but I will have their uh, reaction as well to the uh, Preds as they open up the new 2020-21 season with a win against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So episode 10 is going to be all about reacting to that uh, game, reacting to the win, talking about the things that stood out, the players, the players that stood out, and just what this win means moving forward. And, of course, entering this crazy season that we're in, you're going to get a lot of quick rematches. Uh, sometimes back-to-backs. In this case, it's not a back-to-back. But the Preds are going to have to turn around and make adjustments and be ready for uh, Columbus and their adjustments that they're going to make going into Saturday's contest, uh, also at Bridgestone Arena. So the Blue Jackets are a good team. They're a respectable team. So you know they're going to come out with uh, adjustments. So uh, I'm also going to get into that and talk about how the Preds can try to get the quick two-game sweep early in this season. And then uh, we also have an awesome interview that we had with Jay Fresh Hockey, Jack of Jay Fresh Hockey, who covers analytics when it comes to NHL hockey. He's got a wealth of knowledge covering the sport. So I was very happy to have him join us to talk uh, Preds hockey, uh, highlight some players that stand out on the team, highlight what he he expects out of the Predators in the newly aligned Central Division this season. So I'm very uh, happy to give you that interview uh, later on in Episode 10. So uh, that's what we're getting into. And then to close out the episode, I had this little bucket list of wanting to see every NHL arena as an opposing fan. And so once fans are allowed back in the arenas, I have my top three arenas that I have not seen yet in person that I would love to go to in the near future. So I'll, I'll kind of leave that out at the end of the episode. So that's what we got in store for you on episode 10 of the Catfish and Ice podcast. So let's get right into it with reaction to the Preds winning against the Columbus Blue Jackets to open the new season. Uh, I knew going in that it, or I felt going in that this was going to be a defensive grudge match, kind of a feeling out type of game. Uh, I'll, you know, the the Preds have played four games, real games against another team since last March. And those four games were in the Stanley Cup qualifiers in August. And then they got eliminated. So you've got a, you've got a new roster full of players that, that came in here, not necessarily superstar players, but players that uh, come onto the roster and fill in that depth that the Preds need. And so you just really didn't know what to expect. I, uh, it was a very hard, um, it's a very hard team to predict, you know, and that's kind of why you're seeing them uh, put around uh, the friend four to five spot of making the plus uh, top four teams, making the division or make the playoffs. So, um, yeah, this game was really hard to predict, and the Columbus Blue Jackets bring a very, very solid uh, defense with them. And so I was expecting this to be a defensive grudge match, and the score would indicate that that that's kind of how the game uh, went. But I will say that both goaltenders uh, played very, very, very well in this game. Uh, UC Soros – wasn't tested as much towards the end of the game, but he did make the saves when he needed to. And his uh, team, here, here's the big takeaway. Here's the biggest takeaway I have from tonight's win for the Preds. Uh, 3-1 win. They gave up that first goal and they fell behind early off of a bad defensive mistake by uh, uh, Dante Fabro. But after that, they really started clicking. They started playing their game plan. They started playing very sound defensive hockey, which is something 
that we didn't get to say a whole lot of last year, which is a big reason why they uh, didn't go as far as we expected him to go uh, going into the season uh, last season. So yeah, that the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway I have is defensively sound hockey. They were disciplined. They played excellent in front of UC Soros. They protected their goaltender. They made his job easier, and they didn't do that enough last year. I, I tweeted that out during the game. The Preds did not do a very good job of protecting their goaltenders, either Soros or Pecorine last year, and that's a big reason why Rene had one of the worst years of his career, the worst uh, year of his career last year. But that's what that's the biggest thing I saw uh, in this 3-1 win is that the Preds played very well in front of Soros. They blocked 20 shots in this game. Uh, Arvidsson, who is – no one's going to confuse him for being some outstanding defensive forward by any means. He blocked three shots. You saw, uh, you saw the penalty kill uh, – kill both of the penalties off against the Blue Jackets. Uh, in this game, you saw uh, Mark Borowiecki and you saw Matt Benning uh, playing very well on that penalty kill unit. Uh, you saw hits being out there dealt out. Forsberg's out there crunching people. Uh, Johansson's out there laying out the hits. You, uh, you, you just saw guys really making it hard on Columbus to get any kind of really good looks on Soros after that first period. Now, let's go back to Fabro, who uh, kind of just had a little bit of a blunder there. It was kind of a kind of a flukish play. Uh, it's not it's not something that you would see happen very often, but he just kind of made a, a poor decision with uh, the pass at mid-ice, tried to get it passed, and Colum uh, the Columbus uh, player made him pay for it. Uh, so... In that regard, you know, you're down 1-0 and you're wondering, are the Preds going to just let this snowball into something worse? Because, again, that's something that happened a lot last season. The Preds would fall behind one or two goals and, and they just would never be able to recover. Or they'd be up one or two goals and then they would let the momentum get away from them and it would snowball, snowball in that way as well. But the Preds, they just stuck to their game plan. Even after falling behind 1-0, they kept plugging away to get shots on on Columbus, and you just kept waiting for them to get one past Corpusalo. And Corpusalo had an incredible game for Columbus. He really did. He made some incredible saves that really kept the Preds from extending this lead and getting out, you know, to four or five goals in this game. The Preds could have easily scored four or five goals. They had a lot of really good chances, uh, you know. And so hats off to Corpusalo for playing a very solid game. He had 32 saves on 34 shots. Saro, 29 saves on 30 shots. So both goaltenders played well and kept the score uh, low. My original prediction was 3-2 Preds win in overtime. My co-host Colin and Rich, who are usually with me on every episode but couldn't make it tonight, uh, Rich had uh, the Preds winning 3-2 in regulation, and uh, Colin had the Preds winning 4-2 in regulation. I had the Preds winning 3-2 in overtime on a game-winning goal from Forsberg. I got kind of close. Forsberg did get credit tonight for the game-winning goal, but I, I missed out a little bit there because it didn't go to overtime, and uh, Columbus only got one goal. But let's go to Forsberg. Speaking of Forsberg, uh, we all know the uh, inc insane talent, offensive talent, and, and uh, shooting ability that Forsberg have, has. We've been uh, seeing it for several years now, and now he is second all-time on the Preds list, franchise list, and goals. He passed Shea Weber in this game uh, with, with his goal, and he uh, only trails David Legwan now, the original Nashville Predator. That's the only player he trails on the franchise's list for goals. You got to think that eventually he's going to pass a leg wand in that category of goals, and he'll eventually be the all-time leader in goals for the Preds franchise. But he passes a big name in Shea Weber, and this goal in particular was all him. He took the puck out of the defensive zone, skated up the boards, and just flicked one 
right past Corpusalo to give the Preds the 2-1 lead. It was just a gorgeous goal. And it's one of those goals where last season I felt like the Preds just didn't finish enough. They would they would get those opportunities, those high danger scoring chances, and they just wouldn't finish those plays. So it was really nice and a really satisfying to see to see Forsberg finish off that play and score that sweet goal. Uh, wish fans could have been there to 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 erupt Bridgestone Arena when he scored that goal, but I know they were all uh, doing that from the safety of their homes with the times we find ourselves in. Let's talk about the game tying goal though. So Luke Cunning gets the game tying goal, and that's another that's another perfect example of finishing the playoff. Cunning skates into the zone. He had a two on one. He could have made the extra pass, but instead. He's like, you know what? I'm going to finish this myself. I'm going to put it past him. I'm not going to give a chance for a deflected pass or something else happening. I'm going to go ahead and, and and score this goal on my own terms. And I love that. I love that mentality. So Cunning gets credit for the first Preds goal of the season. Cunning's been so impressive to me because, you know, he had that contract uh, negotiation going on that kept him out of the start of training camp. And so – it was really nice to see. It's just been really, uh, really nice to see him not miss a beat. You know, he, he finally gets into training camp, scores a couple goals in the scrimmages, and now he comes out and scores the first goal of the season for the team. It was a really sweet goal. It really shifted momentum. And because uh, the Preds were just couldn't crack Corpusalo, they couldn't get past him. And uh, Coonan or Cunning gets that goal. And, uh, just makes a really big goal there to tie it up at 1-1. And then that's when Forsberg uh, scores the leading goal. And then you just saw the defense really tighten for the for the Preds after that. You saw them really just smother the Blue Jackets. They couldn't get any, really any clean shots on Soros. And the ones that Soros did have to stop, he was right there. So credit to Soros as well uh, for stopping the ones he did have to stop. But he had a lot of support in front of him tonight which was just really really nice to see we just want to go over some uh some more in-depth numbers from the uh from the game a lot of these uh analytical numbers uh i use natural stat trick which they put out uh all of your analytical stuff that's uh tells a different story from the game and so just some big things here uh this is all at, at all strengths five versus five uh power play it's all even it's all the all all strengths High danger chances for the Preds had nine high danger chances in this game. Columbus only had five. Expected goals for kind of rates what should be a goal and what, what shouldn't be a goal. It's, it's a really good way to track how strong your offense was and how how much you were really uh, creating offense to score those goals. And uh, Nashville had a 2.99 expected goals for, whereas Columbus just had a 1.61. So pretty big disparity there. It shows you that Nashville, even though they only scored three goals in the game, they were really their offense was really cooking and they were really making some things happen. Whereas Columbus, they just struggled to find some really strong scoring chances, and that's kind of uh, what I was talking about uh, before about how strong the defense played in front of Soros. So uh, credit to the entire team on how they played defense tonight. Block shots, another perfect example of how well the defense played for the Preds. They had 20 block shots. Columbus had 15. Columbus blocked a lot of shots, too. Uh, we all knew that Columbus is a good defensive team. They hang their hats on defense. They were the third best team in the NHL last season in terms of goals against per game. So that's kind of why I expected this game to be uh, kind of low scoring. And so even though there was some offensive opportunities for both teams and the goaltenders played well, for the most part, it kind of went the way I expected as far as a defensive grudge match and just not a lot of room to make those flashy offensive plays. The difference maker is when the Preds did get their offensive uh, opportunities, they capitalized on them with uh, Cunning's goal and with Forsberg's goal. Um, also, penalty kill Nashville went two for two, which is a really nice thing to see because Last season, the penalty kill was 29th in the NHL. And so you want to see the Preds uh, return back to being a very strong penalty-killing team. 
when you can lean on your uh, uh, penalty kill to be reliable, it allows you to be a little bit more uh, risky with your defensive play. You can take more chances. You can be a little bit more aggressive. But when you're constantly being scored on, when you're in the penalty box, much like last season, it makes you pause a little bit. It makes you play differently on defense. And so it was nice to see them go two for two on the penalty kill there. And then so those are those are kind of my biggest stats I pulled from uh, natural stat trick. Of course, your other big one is always going to be your Corsi rating, which kind of rates your your offensive possession and how you held on to the puck and controlled the zone. Uh, Nashville had a 53.28 Corsi, whereas uh, Columbus had just a 46.72, which is below average for Columbus. So Nashville uh, beat them out in that number, uh, in that stat as well. Going into some player stats, Forsberg scores the goal. He had two shots on goal. Two hits and two block shots. Uh, Cunning had only 13-24 of time on ice. So he had limited time on the ice tonight, but still made the most of it. And uh, got the goal, two shots on goal as well. Two hits and one block. Borovieski, everyone's fo- focusing on Borovieski just because he's that defensive grinder. He's that physical player that everyone knows we needed over the offseason. He logged 15 minutes of ice time, just over 15 minutes of ice time, two hits and three blocked shots. He was a just a solid playmaker on defense tonight. He was as good as advertised. Like I can say that. He he really came out and showed what we expected of him or what I at least expected of him. Also, gotta throw some credit to Matt Benning as well. Matt Benning was out there playing with Borovieski, and he also played very well, blocked some shots clogged up lanes, did his job, played his role. That's what you want from your third D pairing. You want them to get out there and just play solid, sound defense. Don't be a liability out there. No one's asking you to go out there and score a bunch of goals. We know we're not going to get that from Borovieski or Benny. They're not going to come out and pile up the goals or pile up the points even. But we need we need them to be out there doing exactly what they did in this season opener. So Borovietsky and Benning deserve a lot of uh, kudos for how they played in their Predators debut against the Blue Jackets. And then uh, I also want to throw some love to Colton Sissons just because I thought he played very well. You're not going to really see it in the box score necessarily, but he he logged almost 19 minutes of ice time tonight. That's a lot of, That's a lot of minutes for him. That's a lot of ice time. So I thought Sissons played very well tonight. Uh, he he's his role is gonna it's kind of like starting to come into a bigger role on this team. He's always been considered a third or fourth line guy, mostly a fourth line guy. Let's see if he can elevate into being a third line guy now and starting to get more of that ice time. Almost 19 minutes of ice time that really stood out to me. And then of course I already mentioned Soros. He saves makes 29 saves on 30 shots faced. So, just all around, just a really strong team effort. I do want to uh, mention uh, what some of my co-hosts said. Since they couldn't make the episode tonight uh, live, uh, they did give me some of their takeaways. Uh, so, let's go to Colin. So, Colin gave me some of his takeaways. He basically just said it's a great team game. In spite of some rust, it was a relatively clean game in terms of possession and transition. Uh, I really uh, agree with Colin there. You take out that early Fabro miss where he get where it led to the first Columbus goal or the only Columbus goal. They really did. They cleaned things up after that and played a very smart, disciplined game. So right there with uh, Colin on that one. He also uh, brought up brought up the defense, which I think everyone's going to be talking about how well the defense played. Uh, they really he, he he highlights the third period. And I again I have to agree with him. The third period is really when the Preds clamped down on the Blue Jackets and pretty much said, we're not going to let the Blue Jackets come back in this game. We're up 2-1, you know, razor thin margin, 2-1 to score. We're not going to let them tie this game, get it to overtime, and we're going to lose a point. Or even let the Blue Jackets go on this crazy run and take the lead in regulation, and then we leave with no points. Saw that a lot last season. Saw the Preds give up leads. Saw the Preds have these really bad lapses, defensive lapses in the third period. They didn't do that tonight. 
And then, of course, Borowiecki already brought him up. Uh, Colin calls him a bash brother. I think that's a really a really good way to describe Borowiecki. Bash, bro, bash brother there. Picking guys away from the puck, and you can tell he's ready to cause some chaos and be the enforcer. Third pairing vastly improved so far. Third pairing has been a nightmare for a while now. So the Preds and David Poyle looks kind of smart as of now. Very early in the season, tempered expectations. But at least after the season opener, the third pairing looks so much better than it looked last year. And then, of course, how can you leave out Philip Forsberg? But Philip Forsberg's mustache, which is uh, pretty epic. And I wish I could grow a mustache like Forsberg. I have a good mustache, not like him. I, I'm not even in his uh, in his league when it comes to his his uh, mustache game is pretty solid. So I know what Forsberg was working on over the uh, long off season and over last summer, and it was that mustache. And he, you know, he got his practice in on the ice clearly, but he also was working on that mustache. Stashberg uh, is what Colin thinks we should get going. On Twitter, give him his own Twitter account, his mustache, his own Twitter account. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and he also – I'm sure someone's working on that right now, uh, uh, a Twitter account for uh, Forsberg's mustache. If you know anything about Twitter and if you're on Twitter a lot, there's a there's a Twitter account for everything. So I'm sure that someone as we speak is working on a Twitter account for uh, Forsberg's epic mustache. But, yeah, he does have an awesome mustache, and he also had an awesome shot on that goal. And then, of course, he uh, Colin leaves us off with uh, UC played solid, got bailed out a couple times by the defense, but when he was caught upon, he made the saves and kept the team on solid, solid footing. So, totally agree on that. Uh, Soros was strong when he was called upon, and that's all you really want from your goaltender. You don't expect, you know, you can't expect your goaltender to make fifty saves and stand on his head every night, but. And Saros didn't have to do that in this game. He wasn't particularly going up against a loaded, stacked offensive team as it is. No one's going to confuse Columbus as a highly potent offensive team. But at the same time, Saros did get tested early in that. When the when Columbus was up one to nothing, there were a couple instances where it could have easily been 2-0. And he made some saves, and his teammates in front of him also made some stops. I believe it was uh, uh, Matthias Beckholm who made the huge save when Soros couldn't get back on, across his net. It was a Ekholm stick that kept it from being two nothing. Uh, so got to give credit to the line mates in front of him as well. Let's go to Rich. Rich gave me gave us some takeaways as well. Uh, go follow Rich on Twitter at rich underscore how underscore nine, and then also go follow Colin as well at Colin Bluen. Uh, Rich also talks about the defense. He also, but then let's get to his other takeaway here, and it's all about the new guys, the new guys in town. Cunning, he's already calling me out on here, uh, saying it's up to me if I want to pronounce uh, Cunning's name right. Uh, Rich, I've only messed up on his name once so far tonight. I think that's doing pretty good. So yeah, it's all about the new guys. Uh, Nick Cousins haven't brought him up in the episode yet. Nick Cousins also looked very solid out there. And then, of course, Cunning. Uh, Rich says they both had great debuts. I agree. Soros had an outstanding game in his starting role debut, took a lots of shots, was tested a lot, and held his own. And then let's get to the second line here. The second line has been a conundrum for this team for a while. Rich brings up the second line of Duchesne, Holla, and Cunning. I know it will change when Granlin arrives, but I like what I see. So Mikel Granlin, of course, is not in the lineup. He's dealing with those immigration issues still. He's got to go through the protocols and all that stuff. So uh, that's what we saw as the second line. And I got to say, we all got to be pleased with how that second line looked with Eric Halla, Matt Duchesne as the center, and, of course, Luke Cunning, who got the goal. So he brings up that. And then finally, to round it all out, Great team effort. Everyone held their own and put their bodies on the line to get the win. I think that's a perfect way to round out our takeaways, actually, from the game, is that it was a team win. There's not one player that had to, like, take over the game to 
push us over the finish line in this game. I think the entire team, as at, for the most part, played a very, very strong game. We should all come away pleased with that. Let's hope they can repeat it. And that's a perfect segue into this quick rematch that's coming up. But here's the thing. It wasn't all perfect. There's never a perfect game. And for the Preds, you know, this entire season, it's going to be hard to sweep teams because, you know, these divisions are are so tight. You know, uh, we're going to have Jay Fresh coming up here in an interview that we had earlier in the week talking about the upcoming season. And in his preseason um, point projections for each division, this was just a couple days ago, he had the Preds and the Blue Jackets tied at 64 points for the season in his projections. So you got to expect the Blue Jackets to come out and put together a really strong game coming up this Saturday, which will also be in Bridgestone Arena. So it's going to be really challenging for uh, teams who win that first game to roll out there and win another one. And so that's what the Preds find themselves in right now going into this next game on Saturday is they've got a – even though they won, and for the most part we feel like they had a pretty good game, they do have to still act like they lost and be hungry and be ready because I'm telling you, the Blue Jackets are not a team to overlook. They're still a really strong team defensively. And they've still got some players. They're going through their own issues right now. They are. Uh, they're having a lot. They're in the news for a lot of the wrong reasons, you know. And so, but they're still a good team. And they still got a really strong defense. And so, I expect them to come out and really lay it on the Preds uh, in this upcoming game. I think that the Preds are going to have to have an even better game on Saturday to start the season 2-0. and with two wins against the Blue Jackets. I think they're going to have to have a better game. I really do. And you know how they can have a better game? There's a big one. They got to be a little bit better um, with their offensive flow. Uh, If you look at it, the two goals they scored were on odd man rushes. They were on – well, the the, so the cunning goal was on a breakaway, two-on-one rush, and he finished off the play. The Forsberg goal was just pure – will and desire by Forsberg and his talent took over and he finished off the play. And then the last goal was an empty netter by a, by Yarncroft, Cal Yarncroft. So that's your offense right there. So I do think that it's fair to say the offense has got to show some improvement and make some adjustments going into a Saturday's game against the Blue Jackets if they're going to get another win. And so I think the passing has to be a lot more crisp. I saw a lot of, um, just, just some lackadaisical play at times, players not being in the right spot, moving a step slower than what the Blue Jackets were playing. Uh, luckily, it didn't uh, it didn't end up burning them. You know, they fell behind 1-0, and the Blue Jackets were really pushing to get that second goal to go up 2 to nothing early on in that game. And eventually the Preds just rode out the storm, and then they were able to finally break through and start getting – start getting some momentum back. But you can't count on that every game. And so I do think the passing and the offensive flow has to get a little bit better. Uh, And I think that comes just from – collectively just comes from the entire team. I don't think it's one player you can pin it on or one line you can even pin it on. I think it's just as a collective effort. Uh, Do want to mention, so the fourth line was very interesting. They decided to go with Cole Smith over Yakov Trenin in the starting lineup. I got to say that was such a surprise to me. And this is no knock on Cole Smith. So Cole Smith gets his first career NHL start and that's awesome for him. And I'm happy for him that he got his first NHL start. Uh, he's played a few games for the Florida Everblades, which are the uh, ECHL uh, affiliate of the Predators. And he's a uh, collegiately he played for the University of North Dakota. So we don't know a lot about him. But he comes in and gets the start over over Trennan, which was a huge surprise. Uh, he only got five minutes and 57 seconds of ice time. Didn't log any stats, really, that are noteworthy. So he really wasn't out there a lot. So I'm expecting uh, I'm expecting Trennan in the lineup on Saturday against the Blue Jackets. So we'll have to see how that goes and what the John Hines uh, decides to do with the fourth line. 
but I just didn't see a lot from that line. Uh, Brad Richardson was out there as well, uh, another free agency pickup over the offseason. So uh, Brad Richardson was on the fourth line. And then uh, so you just didn't see a lot from the fourth line. So you want to see more from them. Uh, the third line had its hit or misses, but really wasn't very strong in the game either. And so you just got to see more offensive uh, flow from this team going into this rematch with the Blue Jackets. Uh, a big thing early in, early in this 56-game season is to try to get these uh, sweeps when you can. Because if you can get these head-to-head -head wins since you're playing an all-division schedule, it can really take some of the pressure off of you later in the season uh, when you're trying to build a little bit of a cushion for yourself. Because every team's going to go through a rough patch this year. But with 56 games, there's just not a lot of room for error. And so if you can get an early two-game sweep over 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 the Blue Jackets, it's huge. So even though it's only game two of 56, Saturday night's a big game. And so they got to make some adjustments on offensively, repeat exactly what they did defensively on Saturday. I think they can hold the Blue Jackets to another two or three goals, under three goals maybe. The real question is, can the offense uh, really uh, take control because other than that empty net goal, they only put up two goals tonight. So that's not going to get it done against some of your elite teams in the division, like the Lightning and the Stars and the Carolina Hurricanes, who are actually my preseason division winner, are the Carolina Hurricanes. Your, your offense is going to have to wake up a little bit. And so that's the adjust, biggest adjustment that they have to pull going into Saturday night is some better passing some better movement without the puck. And you saw a little bit of that towards the end of the game, but I think it has to get a little bit better if you're really going to uh, handle the adjustments that I expect the Blue Jackets to make. I think they're going to come out firing and play a lot better on Saturday, and so the Preds are going to have to match that. They're going to have to play better as well if they want to start the season 2-0. So that's our reaction from the season opener. Again, the Preds win 3-1 over the Blue Jackets to open the new season. You got goals from Cunning, from Philip Forsberg, and an empty netter from Cal Yarncroft. And so uh, it's a great way to start. A win's a win. It's only the second time the Preds have won a game against another team in a regular season game or a real game since last March. So uh, kind of forgot what this feeling uh, – really feels like and it, it's pretty nice I don't care how they did it they got the win and it's nice to see them actually finish a game and not release a lead so easily to hold them to one goal is huge to play solid in front of their goaltender is huge that's great for UC Soros's confidence moving forward we'll have to wait and see if Pecorine gets the start on Saturday or do they stick with Soros I think they should go with Rene but we'll see. They might decide, hey, let's stick with Saros, another start. He, he played very well. Let's stick with him again. So we'll have to monitor that and see what happens, who they decide to start with. But that's going to wrap up our, wrap up our reaction in segment one of the game. Uh, coming up next, we're going to play our recorded interview with Jack of J Fresh Hockey, covering all the analytics of the sport. I have a great interview lined up with him. Uh, talking about the Preds and their upcoming season. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on the Catfish Nights Podcast, Episode 10, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast. All right, we're back on the Catfish and Ice podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, this is your host, Chad Mitten, and I'm very happy to be joined by an awesome guest that's going to give us a lot of uh, analytical uh, insight into the Preds and the rest of the NHL as the uh, new season is upon us. I'm joined by Jack of uh, J Fresh Hockey. Uh, if you're on Twitter, please follow Jack on Twitter at J Fresh Hockey. Uh, he covers, uh, he's the creator of a lot of uh, analytics and NHL-based uh, cards. So please go check out all of his stuff. It is uh, really awesome content 
that just gives you a more in-depth perspective on uh, NHL hockey. And so uh, he's a great follow, and that's why we have him on our show tonight. And so, uh, Jack, how are you doing, man? Doing all right tonight? Not too bad. Just uh, waiting for tomorrow, honestly. Oh, yeah. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? So uh, we're going to get into some uh, Pred stuff. Uh, It's a huge gift to have you on tonight. And so I'm going to start with the first general question covering the Preds, and that's just where you have them projected going into the season as far as point totals with this uh, 56-game schedule we're about to get into and just kind of like how you see the Preds uh, shaping up in the rest of the, uh, the Central Division. Yeah, so I actually have the Preds rated pretty high. I think uh, of the kind of analytics-based models, I'm probably either the highest on them or around the second highest. Uh, I have them making the playoffs. Uh, I have them right now tied for like third, fourth in the uh, in the East Division, or the, I guess the Central Division, uh, with uh, Columbus at around 64 points. So obviously a lot of room for, uh, for error there, but... Uh, as it stands right now, I would consider them to be a, a good bet, you know, or at least a, a solid bet to, to make a decent run of the playoffs. Yeah, so uh, you released this today, actually, uh, on Twitter. You uh, have – so when I'm looking at the Central Division, uh, this realigned Central Division, uh, you've got the second-place team, which is Carolina, and the sixth-place team, which is the Florida Panthers – in a five point spread, which is, I mean, that's going to be great entertainment for every hockey fan, but it's also going to be nauseating as well, which is what I uh, put out there earlier, because that's going to be, that's going to come down to like the last couple of games of the season. I don't know if you tend to agree with that based on your projections and what you're seeing. For sure. And and I think honestly, like the central division in, in terms of that kind of thing is actually even one of the less tight divisions. Like if you look at, how I've projected the Canadian division, especially, you know, I have all these Canadians and, and Canucks fans in my mentions saying that I'm crazy for <laughs> out of the playoffs, but yeah. really the projection has them like, you know, one win away from like third place or even maybe second place in the division. So like, I, I, I am anticipating a lot of parody. Uh, we might not necessarily see that happen in a shortened season. There's obviously going to be room for some teams to go on some crazy heaters or, or get big injuries and bottom out. But, uh, you know, hopefully for, for everybody, except for, you know, like you said, maybe our stomachs, uh, we'll have some, some pretty broad playoff races and, and maybe some interesting results at the end. Yeah. I mean, for the casual hockey fan that doesn't have a deep passionate rooting interest, it's going to be great for some of us diehard fans who, uh, really take this to heart. It's going to be, it's going to be hard to watch there towards the end, but we all miss hockey so much so i'm sure we can handle it uh real quick i just want to before i go on to my next question for jack i do want to give out his full uh uh, projections that he released uh today actually uh for the central division for all the preds fans out there Uh, he's got tampa finishing with 74 points uh, carolina 66 points Uh, of course these are all projections based on the deep studies he does so it's different than just some guy going out there and just throw in predictions onto a wall and hoping everything sticks. These are like deep studies here, but uh, then he's got uh, Nashville and Columbus tied at 64 points, which interestingly enough, they opened the season against each other on Thursday. Then you got uh, the Dallas stars, which I found really interesting that you got Dallas uh, kind of below that uh, cusp of making the playoffs. You got them at 61 points, the Florida Panthers at 61 points, the Blackhawks at, 57 points and the Detroit Red Wings at 52 points. So um, it's just going to make for some great hockey. This is going to lead me into kind of my next question for you, which is uh, some news I didn't expect to come today, which is the Preds made yet another roster addition. And they claimed uh, the big uh, veteran defenseman, uh, Luca Spiza, from the Winnipeg Jets. I hope I pronounced his name right. I kind of studied it a little bit because I don't know a ton about him, I'll be honest. But he uh, gets claimed by the Preds, so they add another defenseman to their arsenal. And I'm just interested to hear some of your uh, thoughts on that uh, pickup by the Preds earlier today off the waiver wire. Sure. So you did nail the pronunciation. It's uh, Lucas Pisa. He uh, He's played for a lot of teams in the NHL, actually. He's kind of one of those journeyman guys who gets – 
waived and picked up and traded and signed pretty frequently. I think he's played with like Vegas and Anaheim and Vancouver and the Islanders. And, and last season he played for the Jets. Uh, he doesn't have a very good reputation among, I would say most NHL fans, but, but the analytical community in particular. His, uh, his defensive impact is especially pretty poor. I would describe him as maybe an offensive defenseman, but usually with an offensive defenseman, you kind of want to have a, a decent standard of driving offense, which he really doesn't have, uh, but he's, he's pretty poor defensively. So he's not a guy that I would have, uh, to say the least, put in a claim to get, especially considering that maybe there were some better options out there. Uh, hopefully the Predators don't see fit to play him that often. Uh, obviously, you know, with injuries, if they mm-hmm. see him as being maybe their number seven, then he'll get some ice time. But, you know, I think one of the things that I was impressed that the Predators did this year was actually kind of go out and address that bottom pair uh, for the first time in a while and actually like really solidly. Uh, like I really liked getting Borvietsky and, uh, and and Benning to, to address that. So picking up uh, Spiza was a little bit of a surprise and, and I would not advise uh, Predators to root for him to enter the lineup anytime. <laughs> yeah, I uh, my first thoughts on it, I kind of echo what you just said. I was surprised by it. I don't really see a spot for him in the lineup, but then after, you know, letting the dust settle for a little bit and kind of thinking about the move, I was like, okay, well, we're entering a really crazy season where there's, you don't know what's going to happen. You're going to have to stretch that roster really deep with uh, depth players. And so for, for me, he's like purely uh, a depth safety net because he's a veteran and maybe he can eat up some, some valuable minutes that a lot of Preds fans know, and I know very well, and I'm sure you do as well, Jack, that the Preds uh, were really bad defensively with their depth last year. They had some, you know, you, you look, everyone focuses on Roman Yossi and they focus on Ryan Ellis and Matias Ekholm to a, to, to a degree, but they were, they weren't very strong defensively. They were very top heavy. And so they're loading up on all these defense defensemen. You mentioned, uh, Mark Borowiecki, which I've also had to learn over the offseason how to pronounce his name correctly. Uh, but, yeah, so I totally agree with you. Uh, this is going to lead me into my next question, and it's just kind of – I want you to highlight some of the players, analytically speaking, that really stand out for you when you're looking at a team like the Preds and just kind of like from your perspective what they bring to the team. Just throw some players that really stand out to you. Sure. Uh, so, you know, the thing about the Predators is that I think most of the guys who at this point would be kind of getting highlighted by an analytics guy are the players who would be highlighted by kind of anybody uh, because mm-hmm. the, the Predators used to have some players who could be considered analytical darlings. And I think they, they kind of let them go or traded them over the offseason. Uh, so the guys that I would be looking at would be, you know, obviously Yossi is, is a pretty dominant defensive in terms of just I, don't, I, I think that there are very few defensemen who do as much on the ice as he does. Uh, you know, if you look at his numbers last year and you can dig into kind of manually tracked stats that get into stuff like transition play and, and, and really kind of specific things. Uh, Yossi was in a league of his own in terms of leading the rush as a defenseman and carrying the puck into the offensive zone, which uh, is uh, definitely impressive for him. Maybe a little concerning for the Predators overall that, that a defenseman kind of is tasked with doing that. You know, oftentimes if you have a, a, a two-way or offensive defenseman, you want them to be breaking the puck up to your forwards instead of having to do it all themselves. So maybe that does tie into uh, maybe some of the underlying problems with the Predators. But, I mean, Yossi himself is super impressive. Uh, Ryan Ellis is, is also a guy who is analytically considered to be one of the top two-way defensemen in the league. Uh, and, and hopefully the Predators will be able to count on getting a full season of him because I think that would be a huge difference maker. Uh, and then even kind of going to that number three guy, I mean, Matthias Eckholm is a guy who got a lot of hype around when the Predators made that cup run and, and I think uh, did super well the season after. But I think maybe some of the shine has gone off in terms of league-wide attention. But his numbers are still super, super strong. And actually his kind of offensive play driving numbers are a lot better than you might expect. Uh, so, I mean – you don't necessarily hear as much hype around the league for kind of the Nashville defensemen as you used to when they were, you know, leading the Western conference and, and had Subban back there. But, you know, if they can, if, if Fabro can take a step forward this year, which, which is 
a big ask considering his offensive numbers were some of the worst in the league last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if he can take that, that a big step there uh, and, and kind of live up to his potential and, and Benning and Borvietsky, all they have to do is just what they've been doing, which is being serviceable bottom pairing defensemen. You know, I, I think that the, the Predators are set to have one of the best blue lines in the league again and maybe catch a couple people by surprise who have written them off. Uh, in terms of forwards, I don't think it's really any secret that the Predators have a couple issues there in terms of getting goals. Uh, I think getting rid of Kyle Turris is probably a good step. Uh, but at the same time, you do kind of hurt at, at losing guys like Benino and, and, uh, and Smith, who were really kind of doing a, a heck of a lot at the bottom of that lineup. You know, maybe two of the most kind of minute-for-minute effective bottom six players in the NHL, and suddenly you're seeing them on different teams. So really the onus is going to be on Ryan Johansson and Philip Forsberg to to really get back to form because I think that – and there's a couple teams that have declined that you can kind of say similar things where one of the biggest reasons that they have declined is because the guys who need to be kind of their tent pole players and, and Forsberg and Johansson are, are two of them, you know, they really need to be like not only pulling their weight but like really being like franchise level forwards, which they just haven't been in the past couple of years. Uh, yeah. So a couple of things I really, uh, really pulled that I, from your answer that I really agree with strongly and all the diehard Preds fans would agree with you as well is uh, for one on the defensive side of things. Uh, yeah. Like we, we lean on Roman Yossi very heavily. Uh, we need a full seat, full healthy season from uh, Ryan Ellis. You've got Benning and Borovieski down there. And you brought up Fabro, and I love that you brought up Dante Fabro because he is still a very young player. He does a lot of good things defensively, but yeah. his his offensive game, his you know, you're waiting for that to evolve a little bit, especially if he's going to be on that second pairing. And so I love that you brought up that because I I totally agree with you on there. And then uh, you brought up the uh, the third line in the departures of Benito and Craig Smith, Nick Benito and Craig Smith. Uh, I've been I've been saying this all offseason. That's one of the you know the biggest challenges the the Predators are facing right now is they because that third line was so consistent for them, yeah. And and so now they've got to figure out who are they going to put there. So uh, I love what you said about the defense though because uh, a lot of people have lost faith in their defense uh, since uh, the Subban years and Shea Weber and Roman Yossi was coming up and Eckholm was having great years. And I mean, they were stacked there for a while. So now they, they're kind of having to uh, rearrange some things, make some offseason additions. So, uh, yeah, good stuff there because uh, uh, you gave us some good insight on that one. Last question before I let you go. Again, we're I'm joined by uh, Jack, who uh, runs JFresh Hockey on Twitter, at, at JFresh Hockey. If uh, you're on Twitter, uh, please go follow him. Uh, he puts out a lot of great analytical-based stuff for the NHL and puts out these player cards that just makes it really easy to to look at for the casual hockey fan that maybe doesn't know a lot about analytics. So he's a great follow and very happy to have him on tonight. Last question here. Uh, so the Preds made a lot of offseason additions, as did a lot of teams. And uh, from your perspective and your pure p- opinion, based on how you look at the game, who was the best offseason pickup for the Preds uh, over the offseason? Uh I think I like what the Preds did. Like like I said before, they they definitely lost a lot in terms of losing Benino and Craig Smith, you know, two of the most efficient players in the league. But I think generally, I would I, like just looking up and down, there isn't really somebody that stands out as being, you know, like a marquee acquisition. Like what they mostly did was just plug a lot of holes that were there. Uh, and, and I think take advantage of kind of a depressed free agency market in a way that a lot of teams didn't, where there were guys that they were able to get for cheaper than they might otherwise be, which in kind of a COVID free agency is really all you can hope for. So, you know, just kind of going up and down the list, I mean, you know, I, I had said in a, an article that I wrote a couple of weeks ago that I thought that the Predators should sign Halla uh, uh, and, and Granlin to fill holes in their uh, top nine, and they, they went ahead and did that. Uh, I think Granlin's a guy who has more in the tank than I think what he's shown so far in, in Nashville. And, and hopefully with the motivation of a uh, of that one-year contract, he can bring something a little more to the table. Eric Halla is a perfectly serviceable center slash left wing who can 
you know, he may not be lights out defensively in the same way that Benino was, but he can definitely generate a little bit of offense. Uh, I've already said my piece on, on the bottom pair. Uh, and then, you know, even if you kind of go down the lineup and look at the more low-key guys, I mean, Brad Richardson is a perfectly serviceable fourth-line center, and uh, and Nick Cousins has some of the best, you know, like they, they essentially – they did a nice job of kind of replacing a guy who was already a analytical darling in Craig Smith. And, you know, you can't replace a guy like that. But Nick Cousins is kind of similarly seen as one of those really efficient bottom six players who will, who will add a lot to your team, even if he's not playing a lot of minutes. And, uh, and, and they picked him up. And I think that that was a pretty wise move. So there really isn't kind of one guy that super sticks out to me. But I think up and down, if they were trying to just plug the holes and, and keep this team at least in playoff contention uh, so they can, you know, roll the lottery balls and maybe try to make a run, I think that they did a pretty good job of that. Well, that's uh, that's good news, and that's uh, music to the ears of a lot of Preds fans. So, uh, yeah, so overall a pretty successful offseason for the Preds. We'll have to see how it works because they did have a lot of holes to plug, as you mentioned. So uh, season opener is Thursday for the Preds, but we actually get NHL hockey starting tomorrow. It's hard to believe. Very excited to see regular season hockey again because the last time we saw hockey was – in those uh, Stanley Cup qualifiers, and it just felt weird. It was still kind of cool to see, but it still kind of felt weird. Now we're getting regular season hockey starting right out of the gate. Everyone's at zero points, clean slate. So uh, it's going to be very exciting. And uh, thank you so much, Jack, for uh, joining episode 10 of the Catfish on Ice podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Go follow Jack at Hockey. Follow the Catfish on Ice podcast at Catfish Ice. And we will be right back with the final segment of the episode. And we really appreciate you uh, listening tonight. Back with you on the Catfish and Ice podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Episode 10 as we reacted to the big win the Preds had in the season opener against the Columbus Blue Jackets by a final score of 3-1. to one. Had some good reaction in episode one, talking about the game. Uh, segment two, was really happy and pleased to have Jay Fresh Hockey on. Uh, Jack runs Jay Fresh Hockey, uh, just gave us a really awesome interview, talking about where he thinks the Preds are going to finish. Has him slotted around 64 points and right firmly on that four spot. But he... Uh, Judging from that interview, he seems to have a little bit more faith in the Preds than maybe a lot of people around here in Nashville even have confidence in. Like, he really thinks that they could su- surprise some people. He likes a lot of their offseason acquisitions, maybe not big time blockbuster deals, but certainly players like Eric Holla, uh, Granlin coming back, and uh, of course, uh, Mark Borowiecki. All those guys, Matt Benning, Nick Cousins, they're just really glue guys. Brad Richardson, they're glue guys. They're role players. They're guys that come in and uh, really uh, plug the holes, as Jack uh, said in the interview. Plug the holes for the team and what the Preds were facing going into the offseason. And GM David Poyle went out and got all these players. And, hey, they looked good. Uh, we talked about it in segment one about how it was a team effort win against the Blue Jackets to open the season. There's no reason to overreact over game one of uh, 56. But hey, we haven't had this feeling but one other time in the last 10 months. And that was with a one win in the Stanley Cup qualifiers. So we're going to take this win and we're going to be happy about it. We're gonna, It's going to feel good. We're going to think about it all day. And now it's time to start thinking about the rematch because we don't want to lose this feeling. We don't want to go back to losing again. We want to keep this feeling going. And so got to get ready for that rematch because you know Columbus, they're a respected team. They A lot of people have them in their top four in the division. So they're going to come back swinging. They're going to come back uh, ready to go. So got to be ready for Saturday. But we've had a lot of good reaction covering the game. Uh, we'll definitely uh, have more reaction for you after Saturday's game for episode 11 next week. But we're going to close out episode 10 with, we're going to switch gears a little bit. Since I'm solo tonight, I don't have the guys with me. I don't have Colin and Rich with me for this episode. 
uh, slackers over there. Slackers couldn't make episode 10. So, uh, running this thing solo, but that's okay. That's okay. Doing the best I can. Love being here with you all. And so I'm going to actually go over. So mention this at the beginning of the episode. I'm sure a lot of people have this same, uh, same thing going with them. I have this bucket list of wanting to see every NHL venue. I don't have this in other sports, even though I'm a football fan and I like other sports as well. Uh, hockey is that one sport where I really want to see um, every atmosphere. I want to see every team's unique atmosphere. And there are so many good NHL venues and great, authentic fan experiences uh, in the NHL. And when fans are one day allowed to come back, and when I say come back, I mean like not like limited capacity. I'm talking like when we can fill the arenas again. We can get back because hockey is such a rabid sport. It's such a passionate sport. That's why I love hockey so much. You can feel it even when you're watching it on TV, how passionate and how crazy the energy is in that building. And so that's kind of why I want to see every arena for myself because uh, watching it on TV doesn't do it justice. And so I know that being a Preds fan, and uh, if anyone's if anyone listening – Uh, As an opposing fan has ever been to uh, Bridgestone Arena, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, You just can't replicate how crazy Bridgestone Arena gets. And I know there's other venues like that out there as well, and their own way are also authentic, and that's why I had this bucket list. And so I'm going to give you my top three uh, bucket list arenas in the NHL that I want to see before I want to see all the other ones I haven't seen. And my checklist is is pretty small right now. I haven't seen a lot of arenas yet because this is kind of a a newfound passion that I have is I'm going to go to every NHL arena eventually. And so I've been to Dallas's arena. I've been to Columbus's arena a couple seasons ago. The Columbus fans were so, so welcoming. They were great hosts. Had a lot of fun going to the Columbus game. I was very impressed by their arena. Uh, that was a that was one I, I came away very pleasantly surprised by uh, – the Columbus Blue Jackets and their hospitality and just really, I mean, really passionate fans. I mean, from what our this was back in like, this was the, uh, the season after they went to the Stanley cup. And uh, so 2018 and I, I came away very impressed with Columbus's uh, home arena. And so uh, let me give you my top three to round out episode 10 of my uh, top bucket list arenas. If you're listening uh, to the episode and you want to hit us up on catfish on ice podcast, uh, just follow us at Catfish Ice on Twitter. Let me know which arenas you want to see really bad that you haven't been to yet. And we'll uh, we'll re- retweet your responses and even bring up some of your responses in episode 11. But here's my top three right here. Really no particular order, but I'm just going to list off my three. I really didn't rank them. They're, they're just definitely my next three that I want to see first. And I'm going to start with the old-time rival. The team that's back in our division this season, the team that's kind of taking a beating right now. They're the butt of everyone's jokes. Uh, everyone's saying, oh, this team is still rebuilding. Will they ever not be rebuilding? That's the Detroit Red Wings. And even not, though I know that they're, a, they're a kind of a shell of their former selves and they're not anywhere near as good of a team as they once were, you can't get rid of that tradition. You can't get rid of uh, how special that fan base is. And so I kind of want to see it for myself. I want to go up to Detroit, Motor City, USA, and I want to see what Hockey Town, USA is all about. And I want to, you know, the big thing here is when I go to these games, I'm going to be rocked out in my Preds stuff. Like I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb wearing that Preds gold. Uh, that's part of the fun of it when you're an away fan is is really being – decked out in your team's uniform. And so I don't know if I'd get a lot of um, hospitality like I did in Columbus. I don't know about that necessarily, but I don't think the rivalry is quite quite as um, thick on their side of things as as it is for ours. And it's certainly died down over the years because they're not in the, they haven't been in the division uh, in recent memory up until now. And so it kind of like died out a little bit. So I don't think it would be that hostile like it once maybe would have been. But how could I leave the Red Wings out as far as going to see a game there? I think that would be awesome. So that is certainly uh, at the top of my list of uh, the next uh, 
away road venue I want to go to to see the Preds play. My next one, it's going to be a little bit more challenging to get to this place because I'm sure tickets are very hard to come by, and I'm sure that it's just it's just not an easy easy trip, me being in Nashville, to get to this place. But it's the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, again, not a team that's uh, a dominating team or a team that anyone thinks is anywhere close to being a Stanley Cup contender right now. But I know the history, just like the Red Wings. I know the passion in that fan base. I know the history of that franchise. I know uh, just how different it is to watch hockey up there than uh, other parts of the country, including Nashville maybe. And so I would just like to see how it is at a uh, historical franchise up in Canada. And, uh, you know, you could throw Toronto in this mix as well. But for me, when I'm thinking of all the teams in Canada, Montreal Canadiens jumped out first for me as the first Canadian uh, NHL venue I would want to go to. And so I threw the Canadians in there. Uh, it'd be cool to see Shea Weber play a game with the Canadians. Uh, if he's still playing, he's still out there now for him. And so I think that trip's a little bit further away uh, for many reasons. Big one being that's a trek. That's a long way to go, and that's a that's not an easy trip to make from Nashville. But certainly in my top three of uh, venues that I want to see on my bucket list. And I'm going to wrap up my top three with the Chicago Blackhawks. Now I can tell you uh, with the other two teams, Montreal and Detroit, I don't think I'm going to face that much hostility. Uh, wearing my Preds gold. Going into uh, Chicago, I'd, I'd have to watch my back a little bit maybe. I mean, I'm just going to – you know, I, I I know they don't think too fondly of us. Uh, you, I mean, you can go back to when uh, the uh, the Preds were looking at uh, zip codes and not letting certain segments of fans from other states buy tickets to go – because, you know, there for a while when the Blackhawks were really, really good still – they were they were really filling out Bridgestone Arena. I mean, it was there were nights where it was 60-40. Maybe the Preds had 60% of the fans, but the Blackhawks fans were certainly taking over large sections of Bridgestone Arena. And it wasn't fun to see as a as a Preds fan. It wasn't fun to see that. It wasn't fun to see them taking over. And so we've had some some really tough playoff series against them. They've knocked us out a few times, but of course we got that uh, first round sweep over them uh, as the bottom seed in the playoffs. We swept them uh, on our way to the first Stanley Cup final in 2017. And so I just think that they have a deep hatred for us. I really do. And so I just think it'd be fun. You know, I could end up regretting it, but I think it'd be fun. And, I, and all jokes aside, another historical franchise another franchise where I know that their fan base is passionate, they care, they're educated, they know what they're talking about, they love their team, and I just think it would be a really fun experience to mark that off and say, yes, I want to go see the Preds play the Blackhawks in Chicago. So those are my top three. I want to see every arena eventually, but those are my top three. Run it to you one more time. The Detroit Red Wings, the Montreal Canadiens, and the Chicago Blackhawks are my top three teams that I would like to see the Preds play on the road first to mark off my bucket list. Uh, in future episode, we're going to definitely have uh, Colin and Rich back on, and they're going to give me their top three bucket list again. Follow Catfish on Ice Podcast on Twitter, at Catfish Ice, and give me some of your uh, venues that you want to see as a, as, as a Preds fan if you, that you'd like to go on the road and see the Preds play. Give us give give me those answers on Twitter. Uh, I'll definitely retweet those and share those uh with our followers, and we will uh, read your responses in episode 11 next week. So that's going to wrap up episode 10. Uh, we had some great talks here, some great reaction to the Preds win over the Blue Jackets, 3-1 uh, to one to open the season. It's awesome to have hockey back. It's it's a great feeling. Uh, you're, uh, you know, we've been waiting for this for a while now. Even the Stanley Cup qualifiers just felt kind of weird, uh, and, and the Preds weren't in it for very long, so it was kind of like a – Kind of like just a tease almost because the Preds really only played for less than a week and then they were already out. So it's nice to have them back for a fresh slate, a clean slate, a new regular season, and they started off with a win. And so that's it for episode 10 of the Catfish and Ice podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is your host, Chad Minton. 
Rich and Colin will be back with me in episode 11 next week to talk about Saturday's matchup with the Blue Jackets, and we will also bring you some other awesome topics. Uh, follow us on Twitter again at Catfish Ice. Until our paths cross again, stay safe, everyone. Really appreciate you listening to our podcast, and always reach out to us on Twitter. And until then, we will see you next time on the Catfish on Ice podcast.